0: Hello. Hello. Welcome to Dragon Babies. Welcome. I'm Grace. And I'm Madeline. And this week we are discussing So You Want to Be a Wizard by Diane Duane. Yay. Yay, indeed. <laughs> um, th- there's a lot to say about this book. It's a little different from a lot of the other books that we've covered. Uh, I would say the most similar to Madeline Langle. Yes, I agree. There's actually a lot of parallel characters, Mm -hmm. a lot of parallel themes, which we will discuss, Mm -hmm. or maybe we won't. We'll see what (laughs) happens. Um, But let's start with our little, grabbing the book, our little plot summary and book jacket reading. I think that
1: the book jacket is just, oh, it has a couple reviews and then a little clip from the book, which I think is a great thing to do, is just put like a little excerpt from the book on the back.
0: Is that what you're not giving anything Yeah, away? we discussed this with um, Ella Enchanted, which had the really overblown, mm-hmm. like,
1: she could die. Yeah, it was, it was silly. It was just not in line with the tone of the book, which is not fair to the book.
0: So this, yep, yeah, this cover um, is a very interesting one. the way I first found these books, I think, was on the strength of the cover. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very metallic and... Mm, machine driven um and the colors are really bold um very dark though yeah bold but dark nita and Kit's heads are on it and they have little halos around them giving them a sort of jesus feel which i'm into i I
1: didn't i didn't
0: realize that at all i'm a fan of that I
1: love kid on this cover. He's so cute. He's such a cute little kid. I
0: know. And the cover reminds you again and again that they're actually children. And they're babies. Because yeah. in the book, they are regularly taking on tasks that, you know, even the most mature adult would not necessarily be able to handle. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the cover, they're just baby face mm-hmm. little kids because yeah. they're what, 11 and 12?
1: Yeah. yeah. I think maybe 12 and 13? 13.
0: 13 and 14. <laughs> around there (laughs) maybe give me a 15 and a 16 i'll take it oh my gosh that's too that's too old grace okay so (laughs) i'll very quickly just read the little excerpt before we discuss the plot something stopped nita's hand as it ran along the bookshelf she looked and found that one of the books had a loose thread at the top of its spine it was one of those so you want to be a ellipses books a series on careers so you want to be a pilot and a scientist a writer But this one said, so you want to be a wizard? (laughs) I don't believe this, Nita thought. She shut the book and stood there holding it in her hand, confused, amazed, suspicious, and delighted. If it was a joke, it was a great one. If it wasn't, ellipses. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that's, that's a good segue yeah Um, Mm -hmm. the book is that's from the very beginning of the book yeah that's right at the start when Nita is hiding from some bullies and she's in the children's book section of her Mm -hmm. library and really quick
1: I just want to say we we're kind of assuming that you have at least read these books at some point in history if you're listening to our podcast I mean we're still doing a summary but this is one that I just want to say right off the bat you should really read this book it's it's really excellent well, and
0: I love that we're moving our traditional end of the podcast when we just say, This book is amazing. Read it. That's why we love it. All you the way love the set, it too. But we're well, just opening with it strong from the start.
1: I just think that in order to really like understand the stuff in this book, because a lot of it it's a really long book for the the length of the books that we've been reading in comparison. And it just there's so much in it that it it really and there's just pages and pages of like description and everything. And I really think that you should read it before you like dive into this podcast. Okay, so yeah. pause and come so back.
0: Even more, um, even bucking tradition further, we're actually telling you to stop listening to the <laughs> podcast right now. So we're rebels. I mean, we can't we can't fight that.
1: But I mean, you do you. If you are if you want to listen and then read, that's cool. Maybe listen
0: and never read. Whatever. We can't tell you what to do. There's endless permutations for how you could experience this. Find the one that works for you. All right, back to the story Okay, with that disclaimer, <laughs> let's talk about the book. This book is about two kids, Nita and Kit, who find their own wizarding manuals, take the wizard's oath, and become young wizards. Mm-hmm. Um, shortly after they do that, they they meet each other by chance. Although they do go to the same school, um, when Kit is trying to perform a spell, Anita ends up helping him, and they kind of become spell partners, wizarding partners. Um, they accidentally summon a white hole, who they name Fred, and who right away is like a
1: hole. Do I look like a hole? He takes great
0: offense at that. Yeah, too. he doesn't appreciate that label. Um, And we'll talk more about White Holes, too. (laughs) Uh, But they end up on this incredibly significant and serious quest to take back a book that's been stolen by one of the great evil powers. Um, And to do that, they go to another world, which is a version of New York, in which there is no sunlight and essentially no life. it's it's complicated. It's an alternate reality. Yeah. And, and it's not a nice one. They end up pulling the lone power, the star snuffer, the big bad, back into their own world, their own New York City. Because he follows them because he wants the, the good book back. And he wants the book back. And they do a great battle there. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously... Sorry, there's just there's gonna be some booming in the deep as we do this episode, but it's appropriate for these themes. Exactly, and fire doors should remain closed. <laughs> that sounds so obscure right now. I mean, it, there's no way to understand what you mean. <laughs> Let's just and leave it. Leave at it. That. Yeah, we'll, leave, no, it at we'll that. leave it at that. Was just going to say that in the end, Nita and Kit are triumphant. Um, this is the first book in a series of eight that's still continuing. Diane Duane is still writing them. Um, I did this, not realize that this book came out in 1983. I thought there were only two of them. No, <laughs> there's
1: a lot. This I, is why someone almost always Grace googles the book before we do the episode. <laughs> okay, but also I knew that.
0: <laughs> but, like, I have some knowledge of my own. Grace has a little bit of Google in her head. <laughs> yeah, I think we called it Brain Google a few episodes Brain ago. Google. Um, so this book sets off the series. It has been around for a few decades now. I read this book when I was first. We'll just dive into the back here. Um, I think I was about nine when I first read it. Um, or tried to read it. Because I should say that this book is hard for a kid to read. I got so, I got
1: just so much more out of it this time because I remember reading it as a kid and just being really like lost and frustrated. Like I never stopped reading it because I really enjoyed it, but I couldn't, I, I would read pages over and over again and still just be like,
0: what is going on? It's really heavy on physics on New York City geography yeah. and landmarks. Astronomy. Um, astronomy, uh, just larger concepts of good and evil being dealt with in ways that are atypical for a children's book, mm-hmm. I would say. One way in which it is reminiscent of a lot of Madeline Langle's books, about, about the um, Murray's espe- especially, um, is that it does use scientific concepts to attempt to explain magic. Um, And you learn a lot about real life concepts in exploring- New York City geography. And New York City geography and exploring these magical constructs. Mm -hmm. Um, Something that I think is super interesting is that there's actually now a new millennium edition of this book. Mm. Um, Diane Duane wanted to- Did she update the science? Um, I don't think she updated the science. She updated the technology, um, oh, updated okay. New York City. I mean, they talk about the World Trade Center yeah. a few times. Yeah. Um, she said, uh, "Yeah, the most important part was adjusting technology to reflect what's routinely been a part of young readers' lives." Yeah. Um, so I'm sure that Mead and Kit have cell phones or at least other means of That's gaining really information as opposed to like. It all has to come from the library or from other adults who they have to go seek out and talk to. Because it pulls me out of it a bit when they
1: say, like, a portable color TV. Yeah. And I'm just like, mm. There's a
0: really strong 80s feel. That's when I actually check
1: the date and was like, oh, OK, right.
0: Yeah, which is interesting because we haven't run into this problem too much with the other books we've read, even though um, I think the oldest we've read is The Last Unicorn. I think I think um, that's
1: because they happen in fantasy worlds, so there's no right. technology clash because they don't have,
0: with the technology. exception of a wind in the door, and then also with um, oh man, I checked it. Well, technically, Hell's Moving Castle has portions that take place in reality, but that's really yeah, minor, but and it's that's like a subplot within the book. It's not where the book is said. and especially for Americans reading it,
1: it the it takes place in like a very niche. Wales communities. <laughs> so Welsh Wales. No, I mean, Welsh community.
0: Welsh community. It's okay, it's okay.
1: No, so it, it's it still just seems like very I don't know, almost fantastical. I remember the first time I read the book. I didn't even know that Wales was a real place when I was a child. So I was just like, Oh, it's just a different part of the fantasy world and then talking about a different book now. So go back to what yeah, you were, we're saying. Really
0: deep. <laughs> Um But it does make me a little sad that you didn't know Wales was a real place. Yeah, when I was like eight. Okay, okay. (laughs) I'm too angry. I can't continue. (laughs) Um, Okay, what I was going to say is, yeah, she adjusted the technology. And then she said she edited material that struck her as clumsy or ineffective, added some additional material, and then repaired and reconstructed what she said for a long time has been a very broken, inconsistent, and frankly, dysfunctional timeline. Uh, which makes a lot of sense. I don't know if you've read any of the other books in this series, seeing as how you thought there were only two. Um, but the other one that I owned was High Wizardry. Yeah, I read that one, but I don't remember it at all. It was a long time ago. Um, and it is it was confusing going from book to book um, as I read these when I was a kid. Okay. All of this is a very long and protracted way to say that I'm really happy that, to have reread this. Mm-hmm. Um, And it makes me feel a little more forgiving of my childhood self because I was always like, I loved this book, but it was hard for me to get through when I did read it. Um, But there's so much in it that appeals to kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's the concept of overcoming your bullies through personal confidence and strength, um, of being special in a way that allows you to see and communicate with the world differently. I love the... Um, binary of plant magic and machine magic yeah, uh-huh. and that people have different predispositions mm-hmm. um, and to other fields as well but I we just gonna don't... say it
1: is it a it's a binary in this book in this is it... yeah
0: between just a kitten nita okay. Um, because but then in other books, like with are carl there other and tom isn't carl's Animals? carl's specialty is um computers Oh, OK. And so I, I think there's yeah, a few different. So electronics rather than machines. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas kid is good with cars. Mm-hmm. Machines. Yeah. Right. <laughs> what is a car? <laughs> um, and as yeah, as a kid, I found this book super, super comforting, even though it is really dark Mm -hmm. um, both literally and metaphorically Mm -hmm. just concerning the themes Um, but Kit and Nita spend the majority of the book in this broken version of New York City Um, and it's an extremely disturbing place Um, that world is governed by entropy, chaos um, just like the destruction of life but I mean, like,
1: all worlds are governed by entropy and K. Ca- but this one, that's but this like, one, it's winning. Yeah, yeah, it's really winning. Like, there's no pushback against yeah. it.
0: Yeah, And by there's governed, no governed by, I, sh- I should have said, um, yeah, con- under the dictatorship of entropy. Mm, yeah. Um, it's it, things just work differently there, and the big bad, the star snuffer, who runs this world he created it that way because that was what felt right to him Mm -hmm. Um, which goes into a really interesting concept within the book that good and evil are fairly mutable and you have to figure out which side it is that you're on and you can lose track of whether you're good or you're evil um, and what that even means Uh, there's a quote i wanted to read um, but you're wizards, you should know how terrible a power belief is, especially in the wrong hands. And how do you tell which hands are wrong? Believe something and the universe is on its way to being changed because you've changed. And that's a really heavy concept for a children's book, but it's so much more realistic than the type of good-evil dichotomy that's present in most fantasy books. Yes.
1: No, absolutely. Like, it's so it's so true and it really resonated with me because it was just one of those absolutely moments like that's how life really is so it makes sense that these like manifestations of quote-unquote good
0: and evil would be as well yeah and there's this great concept that you can't keep life down Mm -hmm. I mean yeah there's more power in a positive and growing force than there is in one that's just Uh, there's a line that all his nose had never been able to stand against life's I am and Mm -hmm. that feels really strong and powerful to me
1: yeah and like they don't the author doesn't mess around either she doesn't try to pretend like the universe isn't slowly ultimately working towards this point at which it will run out of energy and cease to be it's just that you know the whole concept is well it's not it's not yet it's for a really really long time and that's why these people are around is because they're helping to delay that inevitability mm-hmm. which was to me one of the most comforting concepts in the book because I struggle a lot with you know how frightening the constant knowledge is that you know someday everything ends and all of the work that you've put up Mm -hmm. to that moment will, you know, your knowledge of it will cease to be when Mm -hmm. you cease to be. But this sort of just acknowledgement that, you know, ultimately everything will end, but it's so far away. And we have so much work to do in the
0: meantime that it's not worth getting lost in that fact. Totally. It's not an approach that's denying death. It's really embracing death. And Mm -hmm. it all comes down to you can't, have good without evil, and you can't have life without death. I mean, mm-hmm. one loses the meaning without its balance. Yeah. Um, and some uh, the the book High Wizardry in the series goes into more detail on the concept of entropy and just chaos in general, um, which like definitely planted a philosophical seed or just some kind of interest in me when I was a kid and I read it um, because I've always been fascinated by that concept, mm-hmm. um, but it it makes me think about whether it's easier to destroy things than to build things, which in a lot of ways it does seem it is. Uh, but within this world, that doesn't matter. I mean, even though it takes more effort to build, what you build is still stronger than the destruction.
1: I think that what's important to remember there is that even destroying things births other things, mm-hmm. yeah, which is especially a theme. Implicitly hammered home through the constant talking about stars mm-hmm. and the life and death and re life of stars.
0: Mm-hmm. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Well, and speaking of stars, we can talk about our favorite white hole, the only white hole I've ever encountered. <laughs> encountered. <laughs> encountered. In encountered. In a, a work of literature. <laughs> um, so, Fred is the nickname given to the white hole that a, t- a true calcifer oh of a heavenly body such a cutie <laughs> um i was interested because i wanted to make sure i wanted to see whether white hole was a real concept um it is right it, it is it's a theoretical concept that exists mathematically mm. but it's very hard to prove that it exists in reality because it has to be constantly um emitting energy from somewhere within space time uh and that is not really feasible to play out and observe observe in a situation within our universe um because but but white holes have to exist because black holes exist they're the counterpoint to black holes so black holes don't allow any anything out and white holes don't allow anything in they're only emitting
1: interesting okay.
0: light of different wavelengths. Um, and that's played to like comic effect at different moments when Nita reminds Fred that there are certain wavelengths that human beings can't withstand. And he's like, oh, okay.
1: Yeah, it's really, really <laughs> cute. No gamma rays. It's really, really <laughs> <Okay>. cute.
0: <laughs> um, Fred is hilarious and offers some of the best visuals in the book because he accidentally... Swallows, we'll call it Nita's favorite pen, Uh which is how the whole quest starts, which is really funny to think about. Nita just keeps being like, my pen, my pen. (laughs) For the beginning, yeah, until they get it back. And then by then they've really, they're in way too deep (laughs) to just head home with their favorite pen again. Um, But after he swallows the pen, something gets messed up within his matter. um, And he starts hiccuping different Massive objects, like he's emitting them. Yeah, he's emitting them. Um, but he's hanging out outside school, waiting for needing kid on the day that. They have the most problems. Mm-hmm. And I think by the time they come out, he's just up a Learjet. Mm-hmm. And onto just the soccer a ton field. of other stuff. And there are just, yeah, cars appearing. Yeah. yeah, TVs. I mean, it's it's really incredible. It's really cute when he, is it a cactus that he emits? Yeah, it's a um, barrel cactus. A barrel cactus. So like a big yeah. one in a pot.
1: Yeah. yeah, <laughs> just appears. It's in a pot. <laughs> the of the room.
0: Um, Fred was a very necessary character in this book. Because he, like I said, provides a lot of more lighthearted comic relief, but he also knows more about the inner workings of the universe. And he can help guide Kit and Nita because he is always seeking light. Mm -hmm. Um, He's always seeking sunlight. Mm -hmm. And uh, it helps him tell them where the bright book is and where the dark book is. Um, I guess we didn't explain the two books clearly, but there's a bright book that's concerned with the naming of things, which is another parallel to A Wind in the Door. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a dark book, which they don't talk about too much because you're not really supposed to.
1: It's it's entropic where the bright book is life-giving. It's bad. Yeah, it's yeah. a very... Um, The most clear expression of bad versus evil, where bad is decay and good is um, growth in life. And also the just. Fred himself is such a very clear expression. I think he's one of the he is he's the purest form of good in this book because he and that's a really strong correlation between creation and Mm -hmm. energy and. Then you have on the other side decay and destruction and um, entropy because Fred is literally emitting light constantly yeah. and other things besides light.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because reading a, a bunch of fantasy books and really analyzing them the way we've been doing, I'm starting to see some trends that I would uh, that I had never really thought about before. And one is definitely the like adorable and affirming sidekicks sacrificing themselves yeah. at the end of the book so that the heroes can persist yeah. uh-huh. because unless you're unless you're a, a, well I don't want to name names but I was gonna say a George R.R. Martin you're not gonna <laughs> kill a hero at the end of your book it's okay George R.R. Martin knows what he is true <laughs> a
1: filthy old man <laughs> I was gonna say, just like a killer of characters. No, Grace, I'm, Grace but personal. I'm just <laughs> kidding, I'm sorry. We like you, George. No R. personal attacks. No, we I'm, enjoy I'm, your media. I'm
0: totally joking. Um, but uh, yeah, just like Praggnanasky's in a wind in the door, Fred blows his quanta. Yeah. Um. Well, Progo doesn't blow his quanta, but. He does it so that Nita and Kit can have his light to read the bright book by so that they can end up controlling the Because you can only read the bright book
1: by moonlight. So they need light to be reflecting off of the moon from a star. And when the star snuffer puts the sun out, then they have eight minutes until the moon goes out too and then they can't read anymore. It's so scary to think about. Mm -hmm.
0: I think that this book, actually a lot of my nightmares over the years are rooted in some of the moments from this book of light going out and of being trapped in a version of a place that's very familiar to you but is wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, And wrong in ways that at first take a moment to even understand. Mm -hmm. And I haven't had dreams about um, demonic uh, machines. Mm -hmm. Um, Mine usually have actual flesh and blood demons in them but i have
1: nightmares about like dinosaur like creatures giant predators giant reptilian
0: predators well there's one of those in this book because there's a dragon oh it's never it's never (laughs) dragon no excitement from well i was
1: just thinking like there's a dinosaur in this book and i know that dragons are basically but i never have nightmares about dragons well you said a giant reptilian character that's what i was predator of I guess a dragon... Okay, anyways, this dragon... Uh,
0: I was trying to do a graceful segue with it, <laughs> but I caught that segue with my hand and I threw it on the ground. Um, <laughs> this dragon is a smaug-like dragon yes. um, who has a horde and is extremely concerned with making sure that everything's present count of war, but is going, um, like, a bit senile. Yeah,
1: he's losing his memory. Yeah.
0: Um, so he can never carefully catalog everything and keep it all present in his brain at once. Mm-hmm. Um and he lives in the sewers. Uh, I really liked the spell that they ended up trading him for the Bright Book. Yeah. Um, they actually create a space that no one can ever find They suspend again. him in space. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he so can he always can be, be alone. safe and yeah. with his horde. Yeah. Which is a really effective way to hide the Dark Book. Well, and it's uh, talk, talking about the sewers um leads me to my like little joke note i wrote to myself that was like new york city is like a character because that's such a like rom-com trope you know what i mean when a yeah. when the city that they're in is like oh, it's just the life of the city that like, gets me loving and gets me living mm. <laughs> there's actually There's an amazing spoof of a romantic comedy that's called They Came Together, um, and it's made by David Wayne, who is a director I really love. He did, um, God, he's done a lot of movies, but Role Models is probably the most famous. Um, But They Came Together stars Amy Poehler and Paul Rudd as Mm. this, like, star-crossed couple of kids who, Amy Poehler owns a candy shop, and Paul Rudd owns, like, a candy conglomerate that buys candy (laughs) shops Anyway, it's really if you like really goofy, silly comedy, you'll like really Hot like American it. Summer. Yes, yeah, David Wayne made Wet right, Hot yeah. American Summer. Um, you'll really like it, but if you don't, you probably won't. So it then is stay away. He makes really polarizing stuff. I'm just on the side that happens to love it. Um, but yeah, recommend that. Um, but it does make the book more powerful that it is set in New York City, um, somewhere that. I haven't spent very much time. I actually was in New York while I was finishing it just hmm, just two weeks ago. Um, Did you see anything? You were in Central Park, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did go to Central Park for the first time, which was all the more exciting after reading about the great battle at the end of this book. Great place to spot pups. Great place to spot pups, (laughs) yep. (laughs) Pup alert on high. (laughs) Getting those sneaky pup pets in. Um, But... It, it worked really well. I do understand that there is some room to update the discussion of New York. I a lot of this book was written... Um, so in such detail that it was almost like these scenes were choreographed for filming or something like where they're really explaining Mm -hmm. okay i turned right and then i went two blocks and now we're at this street so now we need to go north very rooted in reality mm -hmm. more so than any book that we've read by far which i think also makes it feel scarier and especially as a kid and you're reading it you're like oh my god this could be me yeah running Mm -hmm. around on the streets with a pack of mad yellow taxi cabs chasing me Mm -hmm. um but I, there are moments where that like i think got a little too much description in hmm. where sometimes i th- it was almost so many directions that i would get lost and i get oh, confused i would just kind of skim over it if i like <laughs> directions i'll use my I don't gps know. i can't app. do that i have to visualize it especially if it is to that level of detail oh, that's i feel funny. like oh my god i need to know i actually Ooh, okay so in college I read this book called it's by Paul Oster I think it's called City of Glass and there is an entire chapter where someone is walking through New York City and very carefully describing everywhere he walks like every step he takes and how far each step is and as I was reading it I was like okay this book is a postmodern book like there's got to be some hidden message, hidden joke, and I went to Google Maps and I mapped it out and it meant nothing. <laughs> there was no pattern and it was, it was so
1: excessive. I can't believe, Grace is an English major. I've never did anything like that. You mapped it out? I would skip that chapter. But I did. But I was in like, okay, class, okay, this day. is some nonsense. <laughs> in class
0: the next day, my professor was like, did anyone like think about what it actually looks like? And I was like, I did. It means nothing. And everyone was like, thanks, Grace. <laughs> <laughs> You're a valuable part of our class. Um, if you went to college with grace share your stories (laughs) please don't (laughs) it was very sullen in most of my English classes (laughs) okay Um, so also related to setting in New York City, we get these buildings that are in our reality, like the Pan Am building, which is actually the MetLife building now. I looked it up because I was okay. like, I, I've never heard that, but mm-hmm. I think it's just because the name has changed. Um, but it makes the visuals even stronger, especially Nita and Kit out on their invisible bridge mm-hmm. in the sky yeah. as they're trying yeah. to get out to the world gate. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really, really cool. I mean, I'd love to see this book adapted into a film. Um, it would be so cool, yeah. It would be really hard. Well,
1: it's the con, you know, th- the, the thing is that most of the books that we've done, if they were true to their source material and adapted into a film, it would be a, a children's fantasy story, rated R. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So you want to be a wizard? and NC Seventeen for graphic, disturbing, violence. <laughs> non-stop darkness and overwhelming yeah. evil.
1: So, like you know, unless they, it, unless it was a um, uh, stop-motion style, they can get yeah. away with a
0: lot more disturbing stuff because it's you know animated. Well, I was thinking about that for the cars, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would end up looking really cool. I've. It's funny because. Just read this book, the live action Beauty and the Beast came out on Friday. I've been thinking a lot about how to take these really difficult concepts that you can animate, but can't make into live action very easily. And I was just looking at the Beauty and the Beast character designs for... Like Cogsworth and Liam, Lumiere and Mrs. Potts, and they look disgusting. <laughs> Have you I seen just, it? It's like yeah, they it's, look you know, like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles remake, where they made the turtles into these messed up things. Maybe,
1: maybe our listeners are fans, but I, I can't. It's like so much uncanny valley. I don't understand yeah. why people seem to be trying more and more to make these animated. Things closer to humans. I know. You know, there's certain huge exceptions like Pixar that does a fantastic right. job of always avoiding
0: the uncanny valley well, because, because they stylize exactly and make new. They make it stylized and they make everything really clean, which I think is so mm, important. Yeah. Like all the fussy crap on Cogsworth and Lumiere, especially. I was looking at the picture just of upsetting. them. setting. Like, oh, it, it's awful. It's so fussy. It's so busy. And well, you lose and, their faces. And then when you do see their faces, they're even creepier because they're hidden under all this nonsense. It's just this very simple concept that the more intense detail you put into something animated
1: trying to make it look lifelike, mm-hmm. the more upsetting it is to our brains because the, our right. brains, like, it's just not at the point. So our brains are like, oh, I feel nauseous. <laughs> Something's wrong.
0: <laughs> it's like the... The like kill me type of character that shouldn't have been created.
1: Yeah, and you know, it's like some
0: monkey's paw stuff.
1: Maybe we're I working. Should not be alive. Right. Maybe we're working towards the point where it will be so perfect that our brains aren't getting nauseous about it. But I just don't know. I haven't I haven't seen it yet.
0: <laughs> well, and tying it back into the book, um, this would be a good case for some uh, really streamlined, clean. Uh, CGI Mm. of the cars like what if they did what if they animated it so that these cars who have most of them are evil and they're chasing Nita and Kit and Fred around Um, there's one that Kit befriends because he helps uh, fix its axle or no it has something stuck up I don't know anything about cars
1: it's like a a lion with a thorn in its paw yeah that's exactly. the metaphor <laughs> like you're got... like
0: instead of trying to talk about the car let's back away let's <laughs> yeah. use a let's metaphor metaphor simile. i'm sorry um oh, but yes. uh this car it's a lotus esprit i don't know how to say anything i and it's, they're all 80s cars Dave. i don't know i don't we just call it a lotus. We'll call it a lotus <laughs> um <laughs> It ends up saving them. I mean, they would not be able to get through their mission mm-hmm. without that car, especially because. And this, these are some of the most uh, challenging moments in the books when Nita and kid are just like. Okay, we need to be a hundred blocks away now. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. infinite evil and obstacles between us mm-hmm. and where we need to they be. we just gonna sprint for miles. Yeah, New yeah. York. At one point, they're like, "I guess we'll run." <laughs> yeah, be like, "Oh my <laughs> and god!" And kids already injured, and they're just kids. I mean, it's yeah, it's it would have been hopeless uh, without the Lotus, who gets them to the subway so they can get into the sewers and get the book. Um, but what if they animated those cars so that they just looked exactly like cars, but they had You know, movements that indicated personality and indicated feeling.
1: That would be really cool. Like, I think that could be really interesting. Mm -hmm. And
0: I'm sure that that's not what maybe kids wouldn't respond well to that. Or maybe they'd love it. Maybe then they could think that cars out in the world are just, you know, dormant and they have these like hidden lives. And I actually, as a full grown adult, with more than a normal sense of whimsy, probably, (laughs) admittedly. After reading this book, just walking around, I've been looking at all the cars lined up and thinking about how I'm looking at them a little bit differently. I've My whole life, I've always looked at cars and looked for their like faces.
1: And it's honestly, you know, I, my car is a Toyota Corolla and from 2000. And part of the reason I got it is because it was a really good deal. It was a good car. It was used. But also, it
0: has the cutest face. Like, I couldn't have a car <laughs> that didn't have a nice-looking face. <laughs> yeah it does have a cute face and madeline's car has a little dashboard zombie with a moving head and moving arms Uh it's Um, like a bobble zombie yeah it's it's so cute uh sometimes people point and smile walking by um yeah so that level of personification is really fun Mm -hmm. and it was a great out for having some kind of you know background characters in a world where there's no like plant or animal life for well, the there most are, part.
1: There are some plants. Right, but they and have animals, they have no but they're
0: messed up. Yeah, they're they're wrong. They're also. really wrong. Yeah. And there's no sunlight. So the trees especially are they, they have no agency of any kind. They're just like trying not to die. So just it, like clinging
1: on. Yeah. So it makes sense that the the living things in this weird of you know, gross world that the stars <sighs> never made would be actually non-organic things. Mm. They're not mm. living things, but they're like except for the the
0: secretary. The secretary, I was about to say the wrong <laughs> wrong secretary. It is such a gross world. I mean, it's very disturbing. It's, yeah, it's a gross world. It's very disturbing. Dan Duane did an amazing job of coming up with something really unique. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've read about an evil world quite like, like this. It. No, yeah. not at all. So, there is not a romantic relationship in this book because the main characters are children. Is there in other books? Do they get romantic with each other? I don't remember. I meant to look it up and I didn't. I can't remember. Because it seems like their relationship to me is very platonically loving. It also reminds me of the kind of... Friendships you tend to have with like a neighbor, mm-hmm. someone yeah. who you spend a lot of time with, mm-hmm. and if when you're a kid you're like, okay, well there's nothing to do, so I'll go see what they're doing, and then you end up just you know, like pooping around together. Yeah, um, and then I think kind of a sibling type y- relationship. Like, yeah, there's no question of any kind of romantic attraction or feelings or anything like that, um, but. I, we can talk about the friendship between Kit and Nita, which I think you know as we as we just touched on um, is a really nice one. Mm-hmm. I love that they find solace in each other when they're both outcasts. Um, I uh, uh, Nita is we get a lot more of her characterization because she the book is from her uh, point of view. Um, and it's just so cute that like her little sister is, um, the one who like beats up bullies and, uh, Nita is just kind of like head in the clouds Mm -hmm. and doing her own thing. Um, but it, the book does deal very directly with bullying, um, and with positive ways to overcome it and see the bullies as humans. Her, her dad
1: is really stupid i her can't believe really that annoying. he keeps asking why doesn't she fight back i well, feel the, like that's a dumb question to ask when you're faced with six people if you fight back mm-hmm. it would just
0: make them hit you harder yeah and why I mean, doesn't he know that the adults in this book are pretty thin characters yeah, that's i that's mean true. her mom just like is nice and pretty and makes food and her mm-hmm. dad loves flowers <laughs> loves flowers I love flowers and doesn't know anything about um, fighting. Yeah, her younger sister actually gets even more um, fleshed out, even though she's barely in the book. And she is a main character in the future books. OK, um, I kind of thought that that might yeah, be the case. She becomes a wizard also. OK. Um, but I wanted to say that something that stuck with me from when i was young is that i appreciated that there was at least some diversity in the book yes kit is hispanic Mm -hmm. and so is his family obviously um and then they even say that he has a little bit of an accent yeah yeah and that's one reason why kids also tease him Mm just messed up um and i think that there's also a gay couple in the book because I thought that right away too. Tom I was and Carl like, oh, they're a couple. Or definitely a couple. Mm-hmm. I mean that, that's how it feels to me at least. Yeah. They um, live
1: together with their weird pets and their big
0: weird house. <laughs> yeah, like their and their wizards. I really love their the, Yeah. Like, and um, they like allow the myth to persist that it's like a creepy old yeah, person who uh-huh. lives in the house, but it's actually just like these two cute dudes who yeah. are <laughs> hanging out and doing their thing. Um and when I was a kid I noticed that and I think that our I think our parents did a good job of making us understand that being gay is exactly the same as being straight from when we were little kids.
1: So it just means that your partner is the same gender as you yep. as opposed to a different gender. Yep. Exactly. Very simple. <laughs> exactly.
0: I know. I wish I wish other kids could be as lucky to have that. Yeah, our parents were so
1: good at that. Yeah.
0: And I remember reading it as a kid and being like, oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Tom and Carl are gay. <laughs> That's how I talked. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but the existence of Tom and Carl um, as wizards is a little troubling because I, throughout the book, was like, why aren't they more helpful in this quest? So it... for. Like why is it like? And I know that there's a lot to be said for like, there's only a certain person who can complete a task, and like, even the smallest can change the course of the future. <laughs> I can't even get it out. <laughs> Sorry, Lord of the Rings quote. I'm just being Galadriel for a moment. Lord of the Rings um, quote it just overtakes me. I don't know how it happens. Lord of the Rings moment. Um, I get all that, but they are just so green. I mean, they're so new. They in the course of the book, which only spans a few days, the, most of the events. Um, the main events, only one day. Yeah, and God, even it's like five minutes with the time spell that they yeah. have to uh, go back to when they started. But honestly,
1: I think it all happens so fast too. And I don't get the feeling that they are just sitting on their butts at home. I actually kind of appreciated that it there is none of that fluff that happens in books where they have to go consult with the adults and then they hold a council mm-hmm. and then all this stuff happens yeah. and I I love Harry Potter I always love Harry Potter and they're really easy to read but I remember getting really bored with that stuff yeah. when I was reading it like oh my god this is like just a block to the action that I want to happen
0: so I kind totally, of liked yeah. that that wasn't a factor. And specifically in Harry Potter, the Order of the Phoenix is written to be kind of annoying because Harry is so angry um, that he can't just take charge. And Mm -hmm. like he's the one who's had this firsthand experience Mm -hmm. uh, with Voldemort and he feels he knows what to do. But he's also a foolish, foolish little hormonal teen at that point. So it's good that he's not able to burst out and do whatever he wants.
1: But like I also they have Fred. They're Mm -hmm. not totally alone. And Fred is a very important source of guidance. The nature of being a wizard in this book seems much more like you mm. are taking on a huge responsibility and mm. you can really yourself cause huge changes just through your actions as a wizard and that's why it's not to be taken lightly. And also there is a moment when he when Kit says, "I guess we passed the test." Right. Like this was their trial which, you know, may be a bit bigger than trials that other wizards have faced, but it wasn't just, it wasn't set up in order for it to be their trial. You get the feeling that this was something that was going to happen somehow, and it became their job to prevent entropy from winning this time, you know? Yeah, well, it's It all just funny. feels kind of faded. Totally.
0: It's making me think now that uh, the evil side in the book is extremely organized and it's also set up in like a corporate structure which i love <laughs> i love that and the good seems uh like things are just yeah just floating about <laughs> like, um, yeah, I oh, th- yeah i thought something seemed different is the bright book missing <laughs> what's going on oh, wait, oh that really important artifact yeah. the gate is broken <laughs> <laughs> i know um Yeah, versus the evil is actually, like, making calls and yelling at people and being sneaky and lying to people. He's in a suit, he's setting up meetings, Yeah, Yeah, he's got his secretary, his, like, tentacle beast secretary. Um, Is this the eternal problem
1: of our world, that the bad forces are better organized than the good? Capitalism,
0: man. I digress. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and as Kit and Nita are trying to figure this framework out, um, it's just funny to see their initial reactions to the way that this wizarding world is set up and the way that they're. I mean, I think it's Kit, It's both of them. They say, We're dead over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many moments when they're like, We're dead. Okay, we're dead. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's how, oh, yeah, we're dead. Um, and it reminds you in the moment that they are so young um, because they, they end up reading like adults a lot of the time mm-hmm. when they're on their own. When they're in the, like, schoolyard bully dynamic or when they're with their families, they're clearly mm-hmm. children. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, when it's just the two of them out with Fred, like, they're very capable. Mm-hmm. And it's I thought something that was interesting was how the speed of their spells changes um, as the book goes on. I mean, everything's so halting at mm-hmm. first, and they have yeah. to draw everything and set it up and read the words very carefully because if they misread something, they could do h- horrifying nonsense to the universe. Um, and then by the end of the book, they're just like throwing stuff out. Yes. Yeah, and they also have, and they have the bright book. Yeah. They have the
1: benefit of having this really awesome source of power.
0: They do. And I love the little twist at the end when Nita's reading the spell that she changes the star snuffers symbol mm-hmm. so that he can potentially be good yeah, I thought that was really cool it's a great great moment mm-hmm. yeah and it also adds to the mutability of yeah good like they're evil capable of change how you choose your own destiny and like nothing is yeah predetermined for you
1: and again just the the real power that all these wizards have that they can actually make a big change through their actions my
0: other favorite kit quote um, it, he has lots of good dry moments uh but at one point he says, I try to have a heart attack every day, whether I need one or not. <laughs> it's a really good joke when just some incomprehensible uh, garbage is happening.
1: Also, is he said, I he says cojones mm-hmm. when she finds him in the woods, like when she breaks into him and he's surprised and he's like trying to do something and having trouble and he goes cojones. So is he just saying balls? Balls. Yeah. Really? I think it's the only Spanish word in the book. <laughs>
0: It's great. It's it's really wonderful. (laughs) Yeah. My other question related to Ketanita was, do you think that there should have been more of their development as, like, characters, as wizards, as friends before they're plunged right into the main quest? I mean, it was... The interesting thing about this book is it is long, but it moves at a really fast clip. Um, And it's pretty lean. I don't think there is too much room to trim things so I'd almost feel like it would just need to be even longer mm. if and maybe that would be a way to help kids stay engaged and like make it an easier read if they can relate to them a little bit more but we do get a lot of strong moments before they go and even though we don't see their friendship blossoming necessarily we get the lines about just like yeah like they so, soon they were seeing each other every day mm-hmm. and like they'd always walk to this point and then part to go back to their houses and because with kids, too,
1: friendship is so unconscious Yeah. while it's happening. Like, with adults, I don't know, at least for me, I think really hard about it. And, like, you know, what's at the point at which I'll, like, invite a person to hang out instead of just seeing them at work or at school or whatever. But with kids, like, it just happens. Like, you're just suddenly, like, friends, you know, and you yeah. don't even notice it it's happening. It's natural. Yeah, so I think it's that kind of... Um, that's going on for them cool. and I did like because the journey was their development and I was okay with it I'm not a child so maybe like yeah for children it's harder but I really liked like I said the fast pace of everything
0: yeah no I did too that's good
1: but I get what you're saying too it was there wasn't a
0: lot of development of
1: their friendship pre-adventure
0: it's interesting how this book is kind of a combination of these really heavy textual moments with like big bits from the so you want to be a wizard manual that uh, yeah has a lot of like heavy terminology and physics and whatnot mm-hmm. and then just like action sequences yeah yeah it's great it's a great mix <laughs> there's something for everyone yeah really there mm-hmm. is let's do some segments because we had another pretty freewheeling discussion yeah um, we should just change this podcast to fast and loose dragon babies <laughs> that sounds awful <laughs> <laughs> like like an adult. Yes. Vaguely yes. pornographic. <laughs> um and considering the word babies is in it not uh, yeah good. I would just stay right away from that. Let's briefly, sadly, because there was so little of it, discuss pretend food.
1: Wasn't wasn't there only like that one dinner and that was it as far as food?
0: Yeah. There was a dinner where Nita ate in her room because she had been beat up. Um, she had a plate loaded with dinner, <laughs> it just says dinner, and but a glass it was, of cola. Like, Later, yeah, we do learn that it's, it was corn. it's field cutlets, baked potatoes, and corn on the cob. Yeah. Nice, well-rounded meal. Um, and and then, then Kit eats a ham sandwich yeah. while he's trying to regroup um, in the middle and of And Nita the, doesn't eat anything. No, she and says, she's like, like I cannot eat. Like, yeah. yeah, OK, I, I get that. Um, and then there is a great line that i think is from the librarian at the beginning of the book Mm. um reading one book is like eating one potato chip yeah (laughs) and i was like you know what it's food it's going in there there's no um there's no fantasy food in this world and i think a lot of that is because it's set in our reality and Mm -hmm. this is a book and I universe where magic is serious Mm -hmm. it's not something to play around with no it's tied Um, into the very forces that you know govern reality universe it's not so you're not gonna get some like fairy trifle no as much as you might want one and then it's just a little lesson for you the
1: mechanical things in the dark reality also have horrifying eating habits but that's not really the kind of
0: fun pretend food that i want to talk about yeah skip right over that cannibalistic automobiles pretty gross in terms of you know the influence this book has had on me i've mentioned a bunch of things but the smallest and last thing I'll say is that the library at the beginning of the book sounds like the coolest library ever. It's in an old house mm-hmm. um, and it feels very cozy and intimate and mm-hmm. the librarian is also super cool and really just knows what's going on. And it's yeah, like a really awesome adult. Um, let's need a hide when the bullies are trying to follow her, but doesn't make a big thing out of it. Mm-hmm. And isn't like, Oh, yeah. I need to call your parents yes. or like, You need to be treating this situation differently. And she was like, okay, Mm -hmm. do your thing. Yeah. I'll cover for you. Yeah. Um, And spaces like that are very comforting to think about as a kid and as an adult, Mm -hmm. too. Especially if you've ever been subject to bullying. Um, Although I've never been like, I've been like chased, but not uh, full on beat up. Like black eye beat up. Yeah. Not, not like that. So.
1: But I have been a social outcast for many years. So. <laughs> Which is a very, very yeah. painful thing. So, like, it having is. areas you can go to escape completely from and that be dynamic yourself. where you're failing. Yeah. Like, where it's so obvious all the time that you're failing at something you're, that seems to come very easy to your peers mm-hmm. and they ostracize you and, like, give you a lot of pain for it yeah like it's really nice to have those places that you could go to to escape
0: completely and i really appreciate uh, diane duane for creating that Mm -hmm. yeah um so we should discuss badass lady meter oh yeah yeah um the main character is a little lady (laughs) (laughs) she's young but she about as
1: young as alana
0: alana yeah when yeah when The first book begins Mm -hmm. about the same age. A lot of
1: the lioness from Tortal. (laughs) FYI. See
0: episode two? Episode three? Episode two? Episode two. Yes. Check it out. Um, Nita is a. She's a badass. Mm-hmm. She's yeah. She's awesome. She's great. Um, she... Uh, the amount of responsibility
1: mm-hmm. that she uh, takes and runs with and the mm-hmm. little amount of resistance she gives back. Yeah. Like, she just really
0: does the things because she has no other option. Yeah, and there's no complaining, no why me. None. It's pretty incredible. Sometimes
1: she's physically and mentally exhausted, but... You know, there really is no
0: why me moment. No. And she and Kit together figure out how to save the universe. Um, and this is all within their first few weeks of even becoming wizards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it is cool it, to see someone thriving in a newfound passion. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always, I don't know, I like reading about, about people who discover something that they're really good at and that they can get excited about and use to great effect.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, so on the Badass Lady Meter, I would say that Nita is... I have to come up with my abstract uh, She ha- is such
1: a badass that she's basically blown her quanta. She's blown her quanta, that's true. <laughs> Fist in the air! My first... One
0: that, <laughs> that I actually yeah. came up blowner quanta. I agree. Um, she is rowan tree with all-knowing wisdom and love levels of badass basking in the moonlight, oh, yeah. I love it when she's just chatting with plants. And one of the uh, one of the aspects of the tree world that I love is that the trees reveal that they are constantly creating beautiful and intricate mosaics yeah. by dropping leaves on the ground and if you disturb a leaf you have um, smeared their artwork it makes them really angry and they get really no upset respect that Kit <laughs> specifically is tromping around yeah. in the forest messing with uh-huh. leaves yeah. um, and that's one of the first moments when nita realizes that her Wizard's Oath took and that she does now have powers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's all just because these trees are super grumpy and they're like, get out of here. Yeah, it's great.
1: All right. So, me and Grace both listen to a lot of podcasts. And since it's March and a lot of podcasts are doing this um, thing that's called Tripod, just wanted to talk about a couple of our other favorite podcasts and encourage you to encourage your friends and people you love and know to also get into podcasts because it's it kind of exists in this weird space that it's hard to promote because you're never exposed to podcasts unless you already listened yep. to podcasts. Um so one of my favorite podcasts is called So Many White Guys. It's run by Phoebe Robinson who also does Two Dope Queens uh and literally it's it's right in the title Uh, She just wanted to host this space where people besides white cisgendered men could come in and talk. She does some of the most awesome interviews that I've ever heard. It's always really funny. Uh, She does this segment called Across the Aisle that's meant to... Unite people. Unite people. Bridge the gaps in our society. And she's just so, so funny. And just every time I listen to her podcast... I learned something, I feel educated, and I also feel like I'm opening my intake so that it's not just white cisgendered men. And she does have also token white guys on. Yeah. It's like it's sort of flipping the script on what's usually uh, done in media. And they're also great, like once she had Mike Birbiglia on. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And it's that kind of thing. Or, or she had John Hamm on, he was a token white guy. Oh my gosh, I haven't heard that episode.
1: Really
0: Uh, I I also just want to say that I think her interviewing style is so strong. mm -hmm. Um, She's really good at getting people comfortable Mm -hmm. and um, just getting them spilling their feelings. It's really true. Yeah, yeah. She's really good
1: at that. And she's not afraid to go for it too. Like she confronted Charlemagne on his sexism Mm -hmm. which was so I just really respect her for what she does. Um, And so you should check her
0: out. My recommendation uh, is a podcast that was recommended to me by my friend Sam a few months ago, and it's another fantasy podcast. It's called Imaginary Worlds. Um, I've, I'm pretty sure I've recommended it to you, but I don't know if you've listened I actually to spent. It yet.
1: 20 to 30 minutes yesterday trying to find this and I didn't want to bother you it was really
0: early in the morning and I was like I really want to listen to this podcast so this is great imaginary world worlds by Eric Malinsky. um each episode tackles a different pretend concept um I mean, there was a great one about LARPing that I really enjoyed. Uh, just we a are basically ago. gonna go LARPing today. We're doing the Zelda puzzle room yeah, with are. our entire
1: family, and me and Grace also got our boyfriends to join
0: in. So we had like... to have a six-person team. So I'm means... really excited, <laughs> really excited. We'll report back on it next episode. Yeah, it's a Zelda-themed puzzle room. It's gonna be great. I'll let you know how it goes. Um, but yeah, there there have been um, several episodes each about bigger fantasy franchises like Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter, but each one tackles a a question that I think is something that not many people have considered. Um, Like, for example, one of the Lord of the Rings episodes was... a. Sorry, there's some crazy cat sounds coming from the hallway. Galloping. Um, One of the episodes about tolkien is called fantasy maps and it's about mapping out fantasy worlds and how important these carto cartographical is that the right word these the cartograph- cartography yeah just how important it is um and how it's become inherent in fantasy that like you get this ornate map that draws out the world that you're going to be spending time in while you read the book um yeah so definitely recommended it. it's easy to listen to because each podcast episode is like 20 minutes long Mm -hmm. so um a good way to get in and there's also an episode about undertale um (gasps) which which we have a lot of love for and if you like the kind of books that we discuss you'll love undertale yeah it's really true Uh, you don't have to be good at playing computer games to to do it so Mm -hmm. it's good actually the end of undertale reminds me a lot of this book too
1: that's a good point yeah
0: no spoilies
1: no spoilies. <laughs> hashtag no spoilies. And okay. hashtag tripod, because like, there's supposed to be a tripod. We're trying hashtag are <laughs> trying to connect tripod. No spaces, no caps for the youngins.
0: And our other <laughs> plea um, is that we... Uh, would love to connect with any of you who have anything to say about mm-hmm. anything yeah. at all. Um, we'd love to get some feedback and hear what you like about the show and what you'd like for us to improve. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could check us out on iTunes and leave us a quick review. Doesn't have to be a positive review. It can be anything. But is <laughs> making a sad face.
1: Don't, don't <laughs> be mean though. Like Be constructive <laughs> about your criticism. I feel like Grace has been like,
0: yell at us <laughs> be mean to us on the internet we like it we like jerks we like feeling bad <laughs> you could just check us out and leave us a review it will help the podcast become more visible on iTunes store and it, and
1: and we can that we way can we can, grow can help our
0: listeners we can help make sure that we're doing what you guys mm-hmm. like
1: yeah, if you throw out any kind of shout out or suggestion like we'll work it in because we'd love to hear from the people who are listening and we don't want to Um, get to meta (laughs)
0: yeah exactly I know if we never hear from anyone we're just going to end up like recounting childhood stories ad nauseum so do you want that? I don't want that (laughs) Uh, maybe you do want it maybe you do yeah we'll go
1: deeper into it it. we can
0: do that um and if you'd like to connect with us we are also on twitter at dragon babies pod and on instagram at dragon babies podcast um if we get some feedback maybe we'll create even more profiles so that we can discuss our thoughts um let us know if there are any books that you loved it when you were a kid that you'd be interested in this covering i mean if we have a shared history which i'm sure that we do we'd be happy to do them mm-hmm. so yeah yeah hit us up um if you're subscribed you can right click the podcast image like the little the two sketches of little dragons and click view an itunes store and then it's super easy to leave a review yeah. that's just on desktop I got on mobile I'm not even it's it's different for everybody good luck (laughs) godspeed (laughs) yeah okay so summing up (laughs) review us even if it's mean I don't know how to do it on a phone (laughs) thank you bullet points so please holler at us (laughs) And if we get more feedback, we can start releasing some cool stuff like mini episodes in between the big ones where we announce the next book so that if you want to reread it before the episode comes out so that you can better follow along, um, then you'll get that little heads up. Uh, But we just need a little more info so that we can include like our responses to listeners. So, yeah, let us know. I don't know what Madeline's doing. She's covering her face. Um, I guess that means we're done. I'm trying to keep from laughing. Thank you so much for listening. We love having you guys along on this journey with us. I'm Grace. And I'm Madeline. Until next time. Bye. If you'd like to learn more about Dragon Babies, you can find us online at dragonbabiespodcast.com. We're also on Twitter at dragonbabiespod. That's P-O-D, the first syllable of podcast. Songs used in this episode are Pippin the Hunchback and Batched Villagers, both by Kevin McLeod and licensed under the Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. You can find his music at incompetech.com. Thanks for listening.